there's a giant and he pops up in our lives every once in a while. And you know, he does it at two particular times in our life. You know that? Number one, when we're with other people. Oh yeah. He likes to come around when we're with other people. And number two, he comes around when we're alone. Yeah. How's he do that? Comes around when we're with people and he comes around when we're alone. <laughs> when we're with others, you know what he does? He tempts us to agree with the crowd. And then sometimes, you know what? We go against our own personal convictions, you know that? That's when we're with the crowd. We could call that mm, peer pressure. Did I have peer pressure? Another time he comes around, yeah, when we're alone. And he tempts us because, oh, we think no one is looking. <laughs> Someone's always looking. You know who that is? It's the Lord himself. You know what the Bible tells us? Second Chronicles 16, 9. You know what it says. I'm going to tell you. The eyes of the Lord, they move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. So in other words, God is looking for people who look to him. He's always looking. But the verse previous to this says that God delivered the Israelites from their enemies because they trusted in him in the battle. So you see, trust has a lot to do with how we deal with life. Trust in God. But then the end of verse 9 says, but you've acted foolishly in this. And indeed, from now on, you will surely have wars. So it talks about the up and down relationship Israel had with God. But God is always looking for solid people. Are you that? Are you a solid people with God? Can you say that? Can you say, yeah, man, I am solid in my faith. Oh, yeah. Because you see, how we handle our faith can have varying outcomes. Great faith, great outcome. Oh, not too good faith, not too good outcome. In our series, here's what it's called, Facing Your Giant. We're going to meet the giant called Compromise. Yeah, that's the one that shows up whether you're with a group of people or whether you're all by yourself. Compromise. Have you met him? <laughs> He's, I, I get a feeling we've all faced him at one time or another. He shows up here in the book of Daniel. Now, recently we talked about some other giants, didn't we? Hey, how about that guy named Pride? Remember him? The giant named Pride? He caused Hezekiah to show off his treasury to the Babylonians. And Isaiah the prophet, he rebuked him. He said, like, man, what are you doing? Are you crazy? You show those Babylonians all your stuff, your gold, your silver, your weapons, your horses, your spices. You showed them all that? Your food supply? And you know what Isaiah said? 
He said, one day the Babylonians, they're going to return. And they're going to steal everything. Well, you know what? Here they come. Yeah. About a hundred years later, enter Daniel chapter 1. Here's the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, he came to Jerusalem and besieged it. That means what? He attacked it, just like Isaiah said he was going to do. Verse 2, Daniel 1, The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God. Man, they robbed the temple. Those dirty rats, they took all God's stuff. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. So notice, God allowed Jerusalem to be conquered. He did, because he said it was going to happen. Now, they brought the stuff back to Shinar. Now, we've been there before, haven't we? We've been to Shinar. That's the land of the Tower of Babel. That's where they built that tall tower and reached up into the heavens. That area, Shinar, seems to be a very anti-God place. Even today, it's about 60 miles south of Baghdad in Iraq. And it's still a place without the one true God. So these Babylonians, they not only took the best of some of their treasures, but they took the best of some of their young men. Men of promise, who could be schooled in the Babylonian ways and serve in the king's court. Oh, that Nebuchadnezzar, he was a shrewd dude. He says, I'm going to take the best of what these Israelites have to offer, and I'm going to use them on my behalf. So he not only took the stuff, but he took the kids. And the king appointed for them a daily ration from his own refrigerator, from the king's choice food, and from the wine which he drank. He gave them royal food and appointed that they should be educated. Three years. We're going to give them free schooling. And that at the end of which, they were to enter into the king's personal service. That's quite a promotion. Now, you know what Nebuchadnezzar did. He changed their diet. Then he changed their names, right? He was going to give them the best food, stuff that he ate, and give them Babylonian names. Among them, from the sons of Judah, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, these are the Jewish names of the boys. But the commander said, no, man, I don't like those names. We're going to give you some new names. And to Daniel, he assigned the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. It's interesting. Today we know them more by their Babylonian names than we do by their Jewish names. So now, okay, here he comes. The giant. He's coming. He's coming on the scene. New names. New clothes. New culture. 
new language. But Daniel, he drew the line at the new food. You know, Daniel's like, yeah, man, you want to change my name? Go ahead. You want to give me new clothes? Go ahead. You want to stick me in a new culture? Go ahead. You want to teach me a new language? Go ahead. But I'm not eating your food. I'm telling you right now, I'm drawing the line. Now, in verse 8, this is how you handle this giant. You want to know how to handle the giant called compromise? This is how you do it. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. Now, the English Standard Version says that Daniel resolved. King James says Daniel purposed in his heart. International Standard Version says that he determined within himself. Okay? So, why didn't he want the royal food? Probably because it was offered to idols and false gods. It had blood in it. And Jews were forbidden to eat anything with blood in it. Uh, hey, there could have been some seafood in there. We don't know. Shrimp, quahogs, little necks. I don't know. They can't eat that stuff either. Maybe some pork. Can't eat that. A lot of the food, it violated the Jewish dietary laws. Now, question. I wonder when Daniel made up his mind. When do you think? I'm going to tell you what I think. I think he made up his mind on the way to Babylon. Not when he got there. Not when he saw the food. No. I think he made up his mind on the way to Babylon. You know what? He knew where he was going. He knew he was going to the land of compromise. That that giant, as soon as he got there, it would be waiting for him. Oh, yeah. He could probably see him in the distance. Big old ugly head sticking up over the hill. There he is. The giant called Compromise. Now, perhaps, did he know his parents would not be around to see? Of course. Did he know that what they were going to do with him was accepted behavior? Certainly. So why not give in to Compromise? Because he knows that's the giant that leads to disaster. That's why. Remember the prodigal son? I think of him. He went out after he got his inheritance into a what? Distant country. Why? Because he could get away with whatever he wanted to. He could kind of like assimilate into the culture. What was not allowed at home was allowed in the distant country. Uh, country. So it's like, yeah, man, nobody's watching. My parents aren't here. I can do whatever I want. Oh, how different he was from Daniel. Daniel's like, it doesn't matter if my parents are not here. It doesn't matter if what you say is lawful. I'm not doing it. Because he had conviction. And he wouldn't compromise. Compromise, get this now, compromise leads to disaster. Did you hear about the hunter? He went out hunting for bear and he saw one. He snuck up behind it. He had his gun 
aimed at the bear. And just before he shot, the bear turned around. He began to talk. What? And he said in a soothing voice, Isn't it better to talk than to shoot? Why don't we negotiate? So the hunter sat down with the bear. And the bear asked him, What is it you want? And the hunter said, I would like a fur coat. And the bear said, All I want is a full stomach. I think we can reach a compromise. A little while later, the bear walked away alone with a full stomach. <laughs> I hope I'm not the only one who got that. The compromise had worked. That's what happens when this giant wins. That's what happened. When the giant wins, you lose. Remember that. When the giant called compromise wins, you lose. And let me tell you, man, there are so many opportunities in life. There's like a, there's a lot of these giants, I think. <laughs> they're on every corner. You know, you're out on a date. He shows up. You're out with your buddies. He shows up. You're at work. He shows up. So many opportunities to compromise. Here it comes. Your godly convictions. That's why Daniel was so cool. He's probably thinking on the march to Babylon. Oh, I'm going to a wicked culture. I'm going to a place where there's false religion. I'm going to a place where they have bad habits. Habits that are very contrary to what I stand for. So I'm going to figure it out right now. I'm making up my mind right now before I get there. I am going to draw the line. Then I'm going to draw the line, and I'm not going to get totally consumed with the Babylonian lifestyle. See, that's what you do. You can't wait till temptation's in your face, because you know what? You're going to lose. You're going to make up your mind before the temptation. So in verse 8, Daniel, and this is a good memory verse, Daniel 1.8. He made up his mind, or he purposed in his heart, that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So you know what he did? He sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now, I like that. It says that he sought permission. You know what he didn't do? He didn't rebel. He didn't fight him off. He didn't go on a hunger strike. He sought permission. He maintained, oh, here it comes. Get this now. He maintained good manners, even in a foreign land. And how could he do that? Oh, remember? Nebuchadnezzar wanted the young men, youths, in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, who had the ability to serve in the king's court. So you see, when you looked at Daniel, you saw a kid that had his act together. He wasn't the kind of kid that walked around with his underwear half down. He wasn't the kind of kid that when he walked in for a job interview, you knew right away, this kid ain't getting hired. No, when he walked in, you said, I think we can use a guy like this. 
Even by sight, Daniel looked like a winner, like he had it all together. So don't think sight means nothing. Sight means a lot. And you have to consider that. If you want to get somewhere in life, you have to consider, what do I look like to others? And I'm not saying you clone yourself. You can be an individual. But you've got to consider, do, do who, does who I am match what I want to get into? That's very important. Okay? So the king, he picked kids that he knew were going to be smart. And he knew would have good etiquette. A good man is. And then Daniel, yeah, he demonstrated it when he said to the, to the commander, listen, uh, I'm asking permission that we don't have to eat that food. And uh, so again, when you've got it together, it shows. So Daniel asked for permission. He, he basically said, you know what? We're going we're gonna to try the vegan diet for a while. Does that work with you? Can we do that? Can we just like do the vegan thing? And you know what the overseer said? He said, okay. I'm like, what? He said, okay. He said, listen, I'll give you 10 days. And then we're going to take a look at you and see how you're doing. If you guys are all emaciated, man, I'm in trouble. I'm coming after you. We're going to fill you with hot dogs. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Verse 15, Daniel 1. At the end of 10 days... What? Their appearance seemed even better. And they were fatter than all the youths who had eaten the king's choice food. Man, these guys look good. They look healthy. They look strong. So you know what the overseer did? He continued to withhold the choice food and the wine that they were supposed to get. And he kept giving them vegetables, V8 juice. He kept giving them vegetable juice. You know, people, we're getting back to that nowadays, aren't we? They tell us to eat a lot of vegetables, a lot of fruits, a lot of nutrients in that. Okay, it'll give you energy. All right, so because of this scene, there were two great outcomes that came from Daniel defeating the giant called Compromise. You know what happened in verse 17? God blessed them. You know, when you don't fall into or don't give into compromise, God blesses. Compromise, compromise leads to, to, to disaster. But refusal to compromise leads to blessing. Man, if we could just get that down, I think we'd do okay. Compromise leads to disaster. Refusing to compromise leads to blessing. Can I get an amen? So verse 17, as for these four youths, notice what God gave them. God did this. God gave them knowledge and intelligence and every branch of of literature and wisdom. Wow. See, God bestowed his favor upon them. And Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Now, we know that paid off later, right? Remember when Nebuchadnezzar had those dreams of the big image? 
called on Daniel. Daniel, man, figure this out for me. What's going on? He told him. Oh, yeah, he told him about all the kingdoms that would come. So these guys, okay, try to get the picture now. They're in a foreign land, in a foreign culture, and a lot of what they was taboo in their old country was now accepted in the new country, but they said no. And they defeated the giant called compromise by staying faithful to themselves. Oh, that's the key. Stay faithful to yourself. When compromise looms up in front of you, stay faithful to yourself. Ladies, stay faithful to yourself. Don't give in. If he wants you for more than who you are, he's just a jerk. Get rid of him. Keep moving on. So these boys, they get hired to work in the king's court. They got good jobs. They, they, they got nice jobs. In verse 20, as for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them <laughs> ten times better than who? Than all the magicians and all the conjurers who were in his kingdom. Think about that. They were ten times better, ten times smarter than all of them. Wow, God did that. You know why? Because they stayed faithful. They stayed faithful to themselves and they stayed faithful to their God. That's what they did. That's what happens. So there's two things we have to remember. When that giant rears up his ugly head to try to get me to compromise, I'm going to stay faithful to me and I'm going to stay faithful to God. Let me tell you, compromise is waiting for you. Oh yeah, he's waiting for you somewhere, sometime. Do you want to defeat him? Here's how you do it. We do what Daniel did. Make up your mind. Determine in your heart that you will not compromise before he shows up. Do it ahead of time. You know, you're going out with your friends. Determine in, ahead of time where you're going to draw the line. You're going out on a date. Determine ahead of time where you're going to draw the line. Don't wait till you get there. You know why? Because maybe the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. When you face, when you say, when you try to say no to temptation when you're in it, you'll lose every time. You've got to say no to temptation before the temptation comes. And you've got to say no to compromise before the compromise comes because once he's in your face it's too difficult to resist you gotta beat him before he gets there that's what you have to do that's what Daniel did he beat the giant before he got there he says no man we get a long march I got a lot of thinking to do I know what they're gonna do to me when I get to Babylon but I'm gonna draw the line and I'm not gonna go against my godly convictions wear their clothes no big deal. Change my name? No big deal. 
Teach me their language? Okay. Eat their food? That's taboo. That's against my God. That's against my faith. I'm not going against that. And Daniel defeated that giant. That's what we do. He's real. Oh, some of you, you got the wounds of compromise, don't you? Oh, yeah. You got the scars. I do too. I got scars from going into the battle. Instead of winning the battle before he showed up, I tried to face him and I lost. We all lose when we, try, when we get in his face. So you got to beat him before he shows up, before he gets there. And I'll tell you what, if you can beat the giant before he gets there, you'll win every time. You certainly will. You never have to worry about falling into compromise. You're not going to have to do it. So there's a great example. That's why Romans 15.4 says that all these things written in the Old Testament are there for our instruction, that through the comfort of the Scriptures and encouragement of the Scriptures, we would have hope. These things are to give us hope. And like Solomon said, hope delayed makes the heart sick. So we need hope. We need hope to go forward. And hope comes from, number one, knowing the Scriptures, and it comes from, number two, here's the, here's the real kicker, abiding in the Scriptures. Abiding in them. Well, we've got another giant we're going to face next time we're together. This one is called jealousy. You might have heard the story of Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> they, get beat, they, get, they get a beat down from this giant. This giant beat them down. So we're going to take a look at the story of Ananias and Sapphira, and we're going to learn from them. Oh, yeah, because you know what? We don't want to make that mistake. Oh, no. You don't want to beat down from the giant called jealousy. Okay, so we're going to take a look at that next time. It's going to be a good one. It's a, it's a lesson every Christian should learn. You know that? Everyone. And that's what we'll see next time. Do you know about our YouTube channel? Every time we're live on the air, you'll get a notification. You can catch us on YouTube. And uh, you can catch all of our archived messages there as well. Here's what you do. Just go to newhopecc.tv. Click on the media button. Click on New Hope Radio. Click on the little icon there. Hit subscribe. Boom, we're there. And when we go live, you'll get a notification. You can be part of our radio show. Okay? Don't forget about the Hope Club podcast, too. You can go to newhopecc.tv. Watch all of our, listen to all of our podcasts. Just type in the Hope Club podcast, and you'll find us somewhere. Thank you for coming along today, and I'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.